This episode is sponsored by Realtor.com, who wants you to take advantage of your free profile on Realtor.com. By claiming and completing your free profile, adding a photo, and all of the information that puts you head and shoulders above the competition, you're on your way to receiving free leads, helping search engines find you, and staying top of mind with past clients. To learn more about claiming your free profile, go to realtor.com forward slash profile. Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first time home buyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Real View podcast. I am your host, Allison. Joining me today is our special guest, Brittany Maddott. She's a realtor and an instructor. She is joining us today to talk about clients and communication. And we all know communication, and yes, we need to be doing it, but why is it so important? How can we really do it to our best ability as realtors? And how can it keep us out of trouble? So I'm super excited to have her on today. Brittany, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Allison. It's so great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we're really, really excited to, to have you on and I'm excited to be talking to you. But before we get started on today's episode, I have to ask our signature question, which I ask all of the guests who join me on the podcast, which is since the show is called The Real View, I would like to know what is the best view that you've ever seen? Oh, the best view I've ever seen was at the NAR conference in San Diego. Um, I had a beautiful waterfront room with a great view of a huge yacht, and it was amazing. Oh my gosh, it sounds so beautiful. Um, I, we were at, I was at San Diego in San Diego for this same convention, and what a beautiful place! I it's mean, a beautiful place. I could. There's not a lot of places I could ever say I would move to because I love my home. I love to travel, but I love my home. But I could move there tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> the, the sunshine and blue skies and just that 70 degrees every day. I don't know how you get better than that. <laughs> and no humidity. Like, it's just the perfect, like, as I look out my window and have, like, five feet of snow, I could go there today. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, 23 degrees right now, says my um, weather app on the computer yeah. here. So <laughs> 70 yep. and sunny in San Diego sounds beautiful right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for um, for playing along. And um, hopefully, you know, we'll get to, to San Diego, or I think we're in Anaheim this year for um, Anaheim. NAR convention. Yeah, so hopefully we'll get some fun. sunshine and good weather for that. Looking forward to it for sure. I want to hear a little bit about you, Brittany. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in real estate? Did you always know that this was something you wanted to do? Did you kind of fall into it? I know everyone kind of has their own career journey and paths that have led them to where they are today. But I would love to hear a little bit more about that and what your journey has been like. I had worked in retail for 12 years, all different types of retail from your basic customer service to I was a wedding planner for a while. And then I owned a computer and Verizon store uh, with my husband's family for a while. And we closed that store and my husband and I both worked there and, and we're like, you know, what are we going to do? 
And he said, I think you'd be great at real estate and I'll get my license if you get your license. And I was like, okay, that's fine. We've owned a few properties. So we both get our licenses and I fell completely in love with everything about real estate. My husband sold one house his first year. I did all the work and I said, you're done. This is not for you. This is for me. And it kind of took off from there. I'm very fortunate to have a great broker who was super immersive in the training process. And then I just took every class I could possibly take across the state. So I'm in very rural upstate New York on the Canadian border. And I would drive seven, eight hours to take a class and just learn. And I did that as much as I could for like the first, you know, I would say zero to five years in my career. And then became my local board president. We didn't have a lot of activity. We didn't have a lot of volunteers. So I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I'll get involved. I like to be involved, but I hate public speaking. Again, going back to the learning thing, I love learning. One of my mentors said, well, why don't you take this instructor training class that's offered through the state? You don't have to become a teacher. It'll just help you with public speaking. And so I took this three-day class and got an email from, at the time, the New York State Education Director who said, I think you'd be a great instructor. Here's the application, fill it out, see what happens. So that's what I did. And then I got a call from one of the local boards near me that said, do you happen to have a class? I know you're an instructor now. Do you have a class about deeds? Sure, I have a class about deeds. And I absolutely did not have a class about deeds at that moment, but I did a ton of research, talked to all kinds of experts, and that's kind of just how it snowballed. And so for me, being a realtor, a practicing realtor, an associate broker now, a top producer in my board, and then teaching and writing my own classes is the perfect balance for me because when I've had enough of the public, I can take a break and talk to realtors. And when I've had enough of realtors, I go back, you know, and so it's the perfect balance. I love to be challenged. I can't do the same thing every day. And I think that's inherent in all successful realtors. We need that challenge and that difference. So for me, I've completely found my calling in life and I will never do anything else besides be a realtor and an instructor. I just love it so much. I love that. That's such a cool career path. And I love hearing about kind of your background and how you got started and and everything and the importance of leadership and serving on your boards. Was that something that kind of you found valuable too? was just getting involved at your local level and making sure that you were super, you know, involved with that community? Was that important to you as well? Absolutely. And being a realtor to me, you know, was being part of a family. And I wanted to do what I could to contribute to the association and to my family as much as possible. So I started out as a grievance committee member. That was my very first committee and learning about what professional standards was like. And, you know, we learn about ethics. Hopefully you don't have a complaint filed against you and you have to learn about it that way. (laughs) But being immersed in the culture and then I had the opportunity to get on the board of directors. We had a position called state director, which basically meant that you went to our state meetings. And then that opened up a whole nother world. I was exposed to volunteer real estate leaders from all across my state, doing all kinds of different things, doing fundraisers. We have one board in our state that raises thousands and thousands of dollars every year for charity. And so gathering those ideas and bringing them back to my board became so important. Those networking opportunities, like those folks became my family. 
I would call it the family reunion. We're going to have a state meeting. The family's getting back together. And, you know, it just kind of became this really cool part of my life that I never expected, but in the most positive way. And so gathering all that information and then participating in our lobby day, my favorite day of the year is our lobby day because we're the only organized voice for real property rights. And regardless of your political affiliation, everyone can agree that property owners should have rights for the properties that they pay for. So going and meeting with our lawmakers and sitting side by side, like I remember the first time I ever went to lobby day, I didn't say a word the whole day. I just sat there like in awe of all of these leaders. And now, you know, I'm the one speaking, I'm the one with the voice. So that has been a really cool progression. And then I served as our board president for three years, which is kind of uncommon. A lot of people just do one year terms. But the cool thing about that was I got to start with an idea and I was president in 2020. So I had all these ideas, oh, wow. of all these <laughs> things that I was going to do for our association. And then I kind of chucked those out the window and we focused on staying together, staying compliant with the law, keeping everybody safe. And then it became how do we pivot as an association to provide those services to our clients? So we adopted electronic signature board wide. I did daily video updates for our members through an email program where I would just get on in my car because I couldn't go anywhere. So I would just get in my car with my phone in front of my face. Hey, guys, it's me. You know, I um, hope you're all staying safe. Here's the update. We have a Zoom class or whatever we were going to do. We did Zoom happy hours, all the things that just became something for me to get me through the pandemic as a person who does get bored easily and has a hard time sitting still. I needed that to focus on. And so they all my members thought I was helping them, but they were really helping me and they just didn't realize it. Oh, I love that. What a cool story. And wow, what an amazing experience. I know our um, 2020 president too, who went through COVID kind of experienced the same thing that you did. She was like, I had all these ideas. And then our world got literally turned upside down and we had to totally redo everything. <laughs> so sympathy there. I can only imagine what that was like, but glad to hear that it helped you get through those times. I know we all needed a little bit, something extra to, to push us through the weirdness that the past few years have been. And I also love that you just mentioned Lobby Day. I know ours is coming up too on March 29th. Ohio Realtors at the Rotunda Day, we call it in our Ohio State House. We have a nice big rotunda. So our Realtors at the Rotunda Day is coming up very soon on March 29th. So great plug. You did, I didn't even know that was going to come up today. Perfect. But yeah. So for all you guys listening, make sure to check out our Lobby Day. Tons of great stuff going on. Lots of opportunities to meet with those legislators and lawmakers. So um, go to the Ohio Realtors website and see more on that on March 29th. I want to get into today's topic, which is communication. How do we do it well? Why do we do it? How we do it badly and how to avoid doing it badly? We're going to talk about all of that. We all know communication is so important, but to you, why do you think it is especially important knowing that the work that we do as realtors? So for me, it's always been one of the most important things because I always want to keep in mind that I and we all do this every single day, but our clients, for the most part, they may transact one, two, three, four times in their whole lifetime. So when my communication style is one way, that may be a negative experience for them. So there's so many caveats to that. I want to make sure that I'm adopting my communication style so that they're having a positive experience. I want to make sure that I'm using 
terminology that they can understand in an easy, simple way. I always think of it like it's that old cliche analogy. Realtor is like a duck floating on water, but you're paddling like crazy underneath. I want my clients to be floating around me in a tube, having a cocktail, enjoying their experience where I'm doing all the work. To me, that's a win. And I do that primarily in my business through effective communication. So true. Like that's our job as realtors, right? We want to take the stress away from them and make it look easy. You know, Absolutely. It's the most, you know, complicated process that probably uh, most of our clients are going to go through. And it's our job to make it as flawless as possible. And I love what you focus on too about the terminology when it comes to real estate and just how many weird legal terms we have and, you know, and everything that goes into real estate. I mean, talk a little bit about the best way to communicate with our clients when it comes to those real estate terms that maybe they've never heard of, have no idea what they are, that, that are a little more difficult to understand. My biggest tip for all of you guys is don't assume anything. Don't assume that people know uh, what the term means. Like in my area, one thing people always get confused is assessment versus appraisal. And so when I'm throwing around terms like the appraiser's coming, they think, oh my God, that's the tax person. And just making sure that you explain in every step of the process as thoroughly as possible, you have to be a little careful with that. It's a balancing act because if you have a client with a personality type like me, I don't want to read 20 paragraphs explaining everything. I just want you to tell me what I need to know, like get to the bottom line. That's my personality type. But if you are working with someone who is more of an engineer, for example, they're going to want to read every single line thoroughly. They're going to want you to explain it all to them. Understanding your client, reading your client, both with their communication type, body language, it's a big part of communication that plays into our real estate roles. This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, Visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. What is your best advice into how to learn your communication style? I think that's something that, you know, we all know, you know, what we might think that that is. How can we learn our clients' communication styles as well? I know you kind of mentioned knowing like their profession and things like that, but what's your advice on communication styles? Communication style for yourself, there's all kinds of tests online. There's a DISC test. You can Google it and, and find some different options. But I would say no matter what style you are, you want to make sure that you're really adaptable to any consumer that you're going to encounter. Because regardless of what your style is, if you don't adapt to your consumer, you're definitely going to lose people. Like I had one gal and she reached out to me via email. And I always ask my consumers at the first point of contact, What's the best way for us to communicate? Is it for me to pick up the phone and call you? Like I try and make a joke out of it. I have like odd sense of humor. So I'll say, do you want me to call you? Do you want me to text you? Should I send a pigeon? Like what's the best <laughs> way? And like people usually laugh like you did. And then we go on. But I had this one gal who sent by email, you know, she had been sent to me by somebody 
And, you know, she wanted to look at houses. These are the properties. She's pre-approved all the things. And I said, okay, great. I'll set these up day and time. What's the best way for us to communicate? And she said, email. If you call me, I don't answer my phone. And so when we get to the first showing, it's really apparent to me that that's her communication style. She's more reserved, more introverted. Eye contact is a little difficult for her. So I'm adjusting my style based on how things are going in real time. And so she finds a house, everything goes great until we get ready to close. And I get a phone call from her loan originator saying, we're having a problem. The attorney cannot, the buyer's attorney in New York, we use buyer's attorneys, buyer's attorney cannot reach her client to schedule the closing. And I said, well, how have you been trying to reach her? Well, we've been calling her. I said, she doesn't answer her phone. You've got to send her an email. And so I sent her an email, CC'd them in, you know, we're ready to go. And she responded, I can do it such and such day at such and such time. They had never asked what was going to work best for her. And she was literally not going to pick up that phone, even for her closing. So I think just having that conversation about what I always do is however someone reaches out to me, I respond in that same format and then say, what's the best way? And most people will say, you know, whatever works best for you, or I work midnight, so you should text me, whatever. I think that is a big part of understanding how we're going to communicate. But just getting to read people, and as you're talking with them, what is their communication style? Are they struggling with eye contact? Sometimes if you see body language, arms crossed, and there may not be interested in the property, just kind of learning those kind of things can help you develop your communication style. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing too, I kind of heard you mention as you're telling the story is adjusting your communication style too. Because we talked about how do you find out what yours is, but then yours might not be what the client needs. So how do you kind of adjust your style if you know that your style is different from your client's style? A big thing for me, because I do love to talk, I talk fast, I have a different sense of humor sometimes. I need to make sure that I'm reading my audience. And if they are a more serious type of person, they just seem to like, you can usually tell, right? We've all been in social situations where you're like, yeah, that joke didn't land. You know, I need to, I need to dial that back. I make that mistake or you don't make that mistake. Whatever happens, just adjust yourself. Like another example, I was showing a property to an engineer and I made kind of a lighthearted joke about something about the glass. And he's like, well, I'm a glass and ceramics engineer. And this is how it and I'm like, okay, so now we're going to just be a little more serious than I usually am. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's important to remember that we are providing the service to our clients. It's not a partnership. A lot of times I find like realtors think like, oh, my clients are my best friends. And maybe they are, but you're providing them a service. You're the professional. So I would empower all my realtors to be the ones that adjust and don't expect the other end to adjust because they're not going to. That's just not how it works. Now, I will also say, because I love to say this, terrible people are not a protected class and I have no problem (laughs) (laughs) firing clients. Some people just can't communicate. We can't mesh. And in that case, I I refer them to someone else and save myself the madness. But I think that depends on where you are in your career. <laughs> That's a really good point too to, to bring up when we talk about this is what do you do when it doesn't work and, and you're trying to adjust your style, but it's just not happening. Is that kind of the advice that you would give is to just move on from that? Don't try to force something if you know there's that there's going to be this issue that can't be resolved. 
That is totally my advice. And my suggestion would be in that circumstance, talk to your broker, talk to your office manager. Is there someone else in the office that might be better suited that you could refer them to? And I would just say to the client, it seems that our communication styles are not exactly the same, but I have someone fantastic that's going to take great care of you. And my priority is that you're well taken care of. And then shift that, uh, shift that over because that truly is my priority. Realtors, we're all out there for the money. I've met very few realtors in my career that are successful and are only out there for the money. Those of us that are professionals and in this for the long haul, we are doing this because it's a career, not because we're just trying to get to that next check. That's kind of a bad rap that we've get, we've gotten over the years. And I think by communicating again with our consumers to say, look, whatever this is, is not quite working out doesn't mean that we have to be enemies. I'm going to send you to someone who's going to take great care of you. And I've done that. It works out very, very well for my mental health. It's incredibly gratifying to say, I'm not going to make myself anxious and crazy anymore. You're going to be better taken care of somewhere else. And I'm sure they're feeling the same way too. Yeah, it just saves kind of the strife on both ends of things, right? Like you mentioned, we can tell when both sides aren't feeling it. So it's it's saving you all both that stress and anxiety probably in the long run. Another point of our jobs and when it comes to communication as realtors is how we communicate with other realtors. So we know how to kind of deal with the clients and it might take more explanation on things and diving a little bit more deeper and just spending more time getting to know them. But what about other realtors? How should we be communicating with other realtors that we're working with? On this topic, it's professionalism, professionalism, professionalism. And we talk about it all the time at the national level. I'm sure you guys at the state level raising the bar, just holding us all more accountable. And I do that through model behavior. So one pet peeve of mine is if you're going to reach out to me to set up a showing or to ask a question and it's in text, I'm fine with that. Just start with a good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Just don't sail right into what you're asking of me. Thank you very much or whatever. Um, I'm really big on not losing that professionalism and that kindness in texting or emailing that I feel like sometimes gets lost in the fray, you're in a hurry, where's the well? Well, I'm gonna respond with, good afternoon, the well is located at blah, blah, blah. If you have any other questions, let me know. And like, I'm probably annoyed with you on the back end because you didn't have the courtesy. So that goes a long way. And always keep in mind too, that sometimes we're competitors, but we're all human beings at the end of the day. Like we're all just out here, we're all just trying to do the best we can for our clients. Like I said earlier, I know very few realtors that are in this solely for the money. We find it rewarding and we all have to work together tomorrow. So as important as it is to effectively communicate with our consumers, that communication is equally important with our fellow realtors and just professionalism and kindness go so far. You have no idea what somebody's going through. I don't post it on Facebook if something tragic has happened in my life. But if I get a message from you that's short and something bad has happened, I'm not going to be real happy about that. So remembering to be kind to one another is is key. So true. And it's something that just doesn't take that much extra time and energy and effort to do it. You know, we're not saying you need to send, you know, a bouquet of flowers every time exactly. you need to, to talk to someone you're working on a deal with, but just taking that little extra step further to just say, Hey, how, hope your day's going well. I'm over at the house. Can you let me know, you know, where the well is? That goes so far. Kindness is free. It's literally free. 
while I certainly don't think you have to send big extravagant gifts, I'm a huge fan of handwritten thank you notes, mm-hmm. handwritten acknowledgement notes. Even if like I have a deal that falls apart, I'll send a quick handwritten thank you note to the listing agent to say thank you for your time and efforts. Um, I appreciate you. And I hope we get to work again together in the future. Like it wasn't their fault. It wasn't my fault. It just didn't come together for whatever reason. That goes a long way to build your rapport. And I try to start every single week with a small stack of notes, blank notes on my desk and use those throughout the week, whether I'm writing to someone that I'm partners with in terms of mortgage or home inspectors, whatever, or my fellow realtors or one of my past clients maybe popped into my head. I drive by, just drove by the house the other day. It looks great. Hope all is well thinking of you guys. Like it doesn't have to be thank you so much for everything you've ever done for me. It can just be a note of acknowledgement, if you will. And I try and go through that stack every week. And the one thing that that does for us, too, as human beings, it gets us out of our own heads. And sometimes I think, you know, we especially in this business, we get stressed, we get anxious. Sales aren't what they should be. Sales are too busy. This fell apart. This came together, whatever sitting down and writing that handwritten out to another human being gets me out of my head and I'm doing something for someone else for a moment. And that's really valuable to me in my mental health for sure. For sure. And it makes you feel better as well. You know, you're, you're going to make someone else feel better when they receive that note. But I mean, there's a million studies that have been done on just the positive effects that gratitude has. And when you take that time to just reflect, sit down and, and take a moment to, you know, appreciate the little things, you know, the, hey, we drove by your, by your house and it looked great. That's just such a small thing. But the fact that you noticed it and took the time enough to write it down, it makes that person feel better and it makes yourself feel better to win win all the way around. Selfishly, I'm feeling better getting out of my own head. And another added benefit, especially if you're sending it to past or hopefully future clients, they're remembering who you are. Because remember, they may not be selling today or tomorrow, but there's the nothing worse than driving by a house you sold someone and seeing someone else's sign in the yard. Like there's nothing worse than that feeling. And people are going to use people that they know and trust. So if they already know and trust you, All you have to do is continue that relationship. It's an added bonus. Like I don't have a schedule or a spreadsheet, you know, or anything like that. It's totally just serendipitous when someone pops into my mind that week, I'll shoot them a note. So I find that, you know, people respond very, very well to that. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. I want to switch gears a little bit and go into if we communicate poorly and kind of the effects that that can have even onto some code of ethics situations. Um, What are some things that you have seen or situations that can happen if you don't communicate properly? How can good communication avoid any potential negative situations? This is so important for us as realtors because it's in our head what we need to do and what we want to say. But if we don't do it, then the result of that is often an unrealistic expectation on the other end or an unmet expectation. So when we communicate poorly, whether that is through lack of communication or unprofessional communication or saying you're going to do something and then not actually doing it, that's another communication failure in my book. You get a lot of frustration on the other end, whether that's your client or your fellow realtor. And what happens is in some cases you end up with an ethics complaint on your hands because Our code of ethics, specifically under Article 3, talks about cooperation with other realtors. Now, we're not talking about compensation, but we are all obligated to cooperate. 
And you may be cooperating in your own mind, but if you don't communicate what you're doing, the other side may not realize that you're actually doing anything. So that follow through communication is very, very important. The other component is the fair housing component. And when folks don't hear from you, you may be pedaling like crazy under the water, like I said in the beginning, but if you don't communicate at least some of what you're doing, they may think you're not doing anything at all. And then next thing you know, they think you're discriminating against them because every single one of us belongs to a protected class. And so in order to treat everyone the same, we have to communicate. And I always talk about equality versus equity, right? We treat everyone equally, but not everyone gets the same exact number of text messages each month. You get what you need from me, not exactly what the other person got. So like if you can visualize folks standing to look over the fence at a baseball game, one person may not need anything to stand on. The next person may need one box and the third person, they may need two boxes to be able to see the game. And those boxes are my time and effort. So if I'm communicating with the, the third person who needed more time and efforts, they may be my first time buyer and they get as much of my attention and communication as they need. First person may need a little less, but I still am getting them to where they need to be. Maybe they're an investor or something along those lines. If we don't have systems and strategies in place to have equitable communication, whatever that looks like for you, then you may find yourself in a code of ethics issue. It could be um, a fair housing issue. There's all kinds of pitfalls. So it's not just to make things go smoothly and get repeat business. It's also, you know, a part of our job. And, you know, one thing that I do is a next steps email. So we're just kind of guiding everybody through. Do all of my buyers read the email and memorize it? No, they still ask me questions based on what I email them, but everybody gets it tailored based on their specific contract. It's there for them. And then I'm still, you know, reminding them and answering questions, but little things like that make a huge difference for managing expectations. If you think about the last deal that you had fall apart, did it fall apart because it was a bad deal to begin with? Or did it fall apart because somebody's expectations weren't managed along the way, whether that was your fault or somebody else's? And so much of that confusion can be cleared up just by communication. Just by communication. And then the other thing that I would say is don't be an over apologizer. Like that's a pet peeve of mine too. We all make mistakes, but when you make a mistake and apologize, it has to be sincere and then don't do it again. If, if you say, I'm sorry, I didn't get back to you right away. And then the next time they reach out to you, you don't get back to them right away. Don't just apologize for it again, because now we're in the definition of insanity, right? So <laughs> <laughs> those chronic apologizers are just frustrating to people. If you make a mistake, certainly apologize, own it, be sincere, and then let it go and just don't do it again. We're all human and we get that. I think people get more frustrated when you constantly are letting them down through communication and then just slapping an I'm sorry on it, like that's going to make everything okay. So true. And I mean, you can tell when someone's, you know, not being genuine. And I think it like boils down to that. Just be a genuine person. If you're not sorry about it, don't say it, you know, but like you said, we all make mistakes. We're all going to be okay with it, but just say things you mean and mean things that you Absolutely. say. <laughs> Is there a such thing as over communication? So I think that there can be an over communication. And I say that because if you are 
every day texting someone to say, today's update is no update. Like, again, that's another pet peeve of mine. That's worthless. You're annoying me. Uh Don't do that. But especially when I'm dealing with sellers and we're at that listing appointment, how often would you like me to communicate with you about the activity we're having, about the marketing strategy? Because all of that, or most of that anyway, of what I do is measurable. So how often do you want to talk about that? Do you want me to call you weekly? Do you want me to call you bi-weekly, monthly? What's going to be best for you? And it depends on the property. And I kind of let them decide. But I do think that if you're going to communicate, it has to be valuable. There's not a lot of value in reaching out to someone to say, hi, I have nothing to say. Certainly there are circumstances when things get down to the wire, you're waiting for that closing to say, I'm thinking about this today. I'm working on this today, but I don't have an update yet. Yeah, that can be valuable. But if on day two, you're just reaching out to say, hey, just wanted to tell you there's nothing to tell you today. You're not adding value at that point. You're just being annoying. <laughs> it's so important when you when you think about communication to have communication just that's valuable and knowledgeable and not just those texts like, hey, just saying hi. Hope everything's good. Talk to you tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> and and so that's true. kind of a thing of mine too in business. You know, you want to be providing value to your consumers. So if you're sending me an email to tell me to turn my clocks back, that's not adding value. My iPhone does that by itself. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you, otherwise, you're just going to the trash folder. You want to make sure that you're bringing value to the transaction or outside of the transaction, not just sending out something to send it out to check a box and say, okay, I did my communication for this month. I met my goal. Make sure it has value. So true. So true. Well, Brittany, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for for sharing all these communication styles. I know I've learned some things today. I have a list of notes in my head that I want to take away. So this was very valuable when we're talking about value. So I appreciate you coming on and um, sharing <laughs> sharing you. all this knowledge with us today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm glad that uh, we were able to get together today. Yeah, of course. And to all of our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate you guys. We will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time.